All right, welcome back to another episode of the Project Warman podcast with me, Connor Warman. Um, I had an early one this morning. It was 5 a.m. Mountain Standard Time with my friend Nick Massey, a.k.a. Paleo Nick. Nick is the founder of Ice Age Meals, whose purpose is to prepare foods that meet your nutritional goals and taste great at the same time, designed for healthy eaters and competitive athletes alike. During this episode, we dive into the meal prep business, how we got started, obstacles he has had to overcome along the way, and his lifelong love for cooking. We also talk about CrossFit and his overall cool perspective on life and how to approach each day. I really enjoyed talking to Nick, and I hope that you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Now, without further ado, Paleo Nick. Nick, how's it going, man? Good, Connor. Thanks good. for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you again. How's Minnesota? It's nice. Uh, windy. It was windy through the evening. Strong winds now, but it's a great place to be. Yeah, summer's pretty nice there. Yeah, it is. We have, um, you know, it's one of the most extreme places in the world. I grew up in like Fargo, Moorhead area. And they say, you know, it can get 100 to 120 heat index or temperature in the summer and sometimes close to 100 below in the winter. So um, throughout the year, it has a pretty wide range of experiences. Yeah, winter's... Throwing the wind and the rain and all that, it's yeah. even better. Yeah, winter's brutal there. Yeah. Yeah. But summer's nice. Yeah, it keeps out the riffraff in the winter and kind of cleans things up. So <laughs> yeah, so. that's good. But um, yeah, man, I just want to kind of dive in and just kind of ask you a little bit about Ice Age Meals and just kind of like your love for cooking and kind of where that all started. Okay, yeah. Um, Ice Age Meals. So, you know, for those who don't know, it's uh, we, we manufacture frozen meals delivered to your door. Uh, we ship to all 50 states. Right now we have a two-day shipping model. Um, if you order, you know, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, you'll get your meals two days later. Um, and they're all based off the paleo diet. So the goal is to provide a, a convenient alternative to, you say, fast food or frozen pizza. You know, when you go in the freezer to get the pizza, if you have a healthy option right there, at least you'll have, you know, a fighting chance of yeah. eating something healthier. Um, so that's kind of the gist of Ice Age Meals. We have about 50 different options to choose from. We have a smokehouse line, which is unique. We haven't seen any other meal prep services with, you know, smoker. Um, but it's been a passion of mine here for just over seven years. We just crossed the seven-year mark. And... Um, as far as my love for cooking and my passion, like I really grew up in a house where my parents loved to eat, you know, <laughs> both my parents were obese, you know, that's another kind of piece of my journey. Um, they, I think, you know, I think they weighed between 300 and 350 for most of their, uh, my grow, you know, adolescence and childhood and all that so there's some some roots there that have helped me uh establish kind of my vision and my mission and and you know helping fight obesity is part of that 
Hmm. But back to the, you know, the good part of eating. Um, I just love to eat. You know, I know Julia Child, she has a saying that says the um, people who love food are the best people, you know, something hmm. like that. And I couldn't agree more. Um, but, you know, along with it, I have some, you know, challenging eating habits. Like I struggle with food just like it, like the next guy, just because I have a healthy food business doesn't mean that I'm exempt from uh, the challenges, and mm. the struggles. Yeah, uh, it's just a it's just a cool like thing to be good at because a lot of people aren't like myself, <laughs> aren't good at it. Yeah, the you know there's a thing on the net right now just talking about how cooking is the hard uh, the highest ROI skill you can have. Oh really? Highest return on investment for your life. You know, if you mm. think you're eating two three times a day for your whole life, uh, it's a pretty good skill to have. Yeah, no, but, for sure. You know, I got um, kind of infected with the foodie bug when I was like 14. I landed a job washing dishes at a, an Italian restaurant in Dilworth, Minnesota called Paisano's. It was owned by an Italian family out of uh, Chicago. So pretty uh, you know, real Italian. A lot of the people here are Norwegian or mainly Norwegians, you know, a lot of Lefsa and Krumkaka and stuff like that going around. But in this small town, they had uh, some Italian immigrants come to farm potatoes. And eventually they opened this restaurant and I worked there and then had a chance to work my way up through the ranks and um was one of the saute cooks by the time i graduated high school and pretty much knew more about anybody in the kitchen or about the operation than anybody else in the kitchen just because i had been there for four years and uh, decided to go to culinary school mm. so it's kind of how the journey started but before that was just love to eat i love to love eat. to eat <laughs> it just sounds so funny yeah. But it's true. Yeah, Everybody loves to eat. Shirt, right? I love to yeah. eat. <laughs> so like, how'd you get into the whole, like, cause you grew up in an environment where healthy eating didn't seem to be a thing. How'd you end up getting into like more on the health side of things? Um, I had my mom or my parents, they always tried to lose weight. So I saw a little bit of that effort, like weight watchers was a thing. I remember going to these meetings in the basement of the West Acres mall with my mom. That was where you'd like weigh in weekly and talk about your points and all that. Um, they also used like subliminal weight loss where you like listen to waves in the ocean at night while you're sleeping. And that was supposed to help you lose weight. Really? All kinds of, yeah, all kinds huh. of <laughs> attempts um, outside of, you know, maybe what the CrossFit prescription is, right? right? Eat lean meats and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. And then what's the second that was part? Good. Keep in shape the that was very good. That, yeah, support <laughs> exercise, but not body, body fat. Yeah. So I think like for me, that's a perfect uh, little recipe for how you should eat. But where I transitioned was probably 20, well, 2008, I 2007, six, I was, I had moved to Aspen, Colorado to work as a private chef. And oh, I, cool. yeah, it was a, I was living up in Alaska and uh, 
it was where I finished culinary school and then kind of got poached out of this job that I was in, went down there and started to see people requesting things like they would, they would have their blood tested and then they'd tell us what they're allergic to or they'd give me this big list like look at it and it literally would have like every ingredient known to man that they're allergic to like what is this all about like are you really allergic to eggs you've been eating eggs your whole life you know hmm. and now that's become more commonplace but that was about 2008 um and now you got like the 23 and me and all the different tests you've probably seen those right connor which one what where you have your blood tested and it tells you what your allergies and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's become a big thing. Yeah. Popular, you know, but here we are 14 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, people were requesting, you know, and it, it all kind of came in line with this paleo diet. Then I, I started cooking for Lance Armstrong in 2008. Um, one of the houses I was doing work at was a, friend of was owned by a friend of his he came to stay in that house I knew the property manager and she reached out um so I landed that gig for a couple years and um what was that like that was pretty cool you know it was I mean I think Lance was always a bit controversial but for me it just gave me exposure and really changed my life like how how much he valued, you know, just being healthy and eating healthy. Um, he would go train. It was when he was taking a break from the tour okay. and was going to do mountain bike racing. So he was putting on some muscle and had uh, was using CrossFit. He would go do these big rides through the day and they'd come back and they'd do a workout down in this gym. This guy named Peter Park from um kind of like the santa barbara area had come out to coach him and so then i just kind of scoped it out it turned out my neighbor had a his gym or his garage as like one of the first crossfit affiliates um they actually had you know was paying the annual fee and had an affiliation it was cool and just off to the races from there he was doing zone diet so as you know started learning about that yep um, I think one of the big things that people are curious about when they start CrossFit is, you know, is diet, right? Eventually, you know, you'll get some gains from just the fitness portion of that at the start. But once you're really ready to take it serious, the diet has to come into play. Um, he was always munching on broccoli and like, just I was like, wow, what, you know, so they didn't have a, they, they used to have a nutrition course. So that was kind of like the, the goal to go to that. But most of the stuff you just got to search out on your own and paleo diet. Um, what was it? Loren Cordain's book. I think it's just called the paleo diet. So read that, read the zone, and then just started incorporating those two things, right? Paleo mm-hmm. foods and zone portions. And that's really at the heart of what we do at Ice Age. Yeah, you just casually dropped that in there. I had no idea you worked with Lance Armstrong. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, it was a great experience, you know, life-changing for me. And I'm, I'm glad I had, I just feel like, you know, never any coincidences. Everything is kind of orchestrated for your life. And that was a uh, perfect time because I was probably on a road, you know, I tried to get out of the 
typical chef routine where you're just grinding all the time and on nights, weekends and holidays. And um, I was probably headed down that road anyways. As a private chef, you can, you know, everybody comes to Aspen at, at Christmas time, right? New Year's. So you're just like, you know, for maybe about a month, you're just redlining it and it's unhealthy. And um, I'm not perfect, right? I said that from the start, like I love to eat and I still struggle. I feel like, you know, habits are a big part of, well, they really are who you are, you know, what your habits are. They say the first, the second half of your life is just playing out the habits that you developed in the first half. So um, I'm 41 right now. I'm hoping that I still have a few more years before I hit the halfway mark and uh, still dialing in my habits. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you're doing, like when you're cooking for someone like that, this is there a lot of pressure on your part? Um, like, do you feel no real pressure? Yeah. No, just, you know, having food on the table when it's time, like for him, they would have, they had, his kids were there and they had a nanny. So we would feed them early, like four, between four and five, something like that. And then the adults would eat later on. So it was a little bit of a push to have, you know, two dinners, but it worked out at the same time. Um, but no, I mean, I had developed skills. He liked pasta. I worked in this Italian restaurant, so that was simple. And then it was just a matter of searching out the high quality protein and um, veggies and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, not a lot of pressure in that regard. It just, uh, it seems to be like cooking seems to be a lost art. Like as like everyone's grandma, I feel like growing up, like was a you, you always like going to grandma's house to eat, but I feel like as it goes down, like it just kind of becomes a lost art. Like me. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, backing up before ice age, that was really what I did for two, you know, or I kind of continue the story with Lance. I eventually opened up a CrossFit gym with my neighbor called Roaring Fork CrossFit, Vince Shimp. Awesome dude. Um, and then open another gym, Aspen CrossFit in Aspen. And uh, in 2011, the crew like Rory McKernan and Heber Cannon, Greg Hammond, they all came to check out the X Games to see how they did like their live feed for ESPN. Okay. Because they were going to mimic that at the games. And then they reached out to us and they stayed at the gym and they hung out. We shot a bunch of content there. Um, and then they wanted, they found out I was a chef and they wanted to do a cooking video. So we did a cooking video called Mitza. If you look that one up, CrossFit Journal, maybe 2000, I think it's like February, 2011, that one came up. Um, but that kind of launched a, a series. So then we had like, 10 to 12 videos on CrossFit for like almost 10 years, every kind of at the start of every year. Um, and then I launched a website called paleonick.com. Eventually built that up to like 385 videos. Uh, we would do try to do one per week with attached recipes. We were doing meal plans, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and that's, you know, the education's really at the heart of everything we do, uh, or I do. And, I've, and now it's my goal to get back to that. It's taken like seven years to build this business. 
And now we're trying to build a team that will allow me to kind of return to the start and um, start pumping out content again. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, CrossFit, uh, just tell, take me through your journey. How did you get there? How did you find it? Um, I found it, you know, again, what, when I was cooking for Lance and I came home one day and here I saw these rings hanging in my neighbor's garage. Hmm. I was like, and I actually had heard about CrossFit one other time when I was working in Alaska at the Tordrilla Mountain Lodge, this guy named Ron Fairbanks. He's like, Nick, you you know, I know you can do, or we're talking about working out. He's like, this is the real stuff right here. Check these guys out. They were doing like handstand push-ups and muscle ups. And I was like, Whoa, that's nuts. Um, <laughs> that's nuts. <laughs> but you know, so I was, I, I had seen it and you always kind of know, like there's some real ninjas out there, like in whatever you do, who are just insane. Um, kind of like Alex Honnold in rock climbing or whoever it might be and whatever the sport is. Um, but then I, I, came, I went over to my neighbor's like, is this CrossFit? And he's like, yeah, you know, come over for a workout. And that was October 30th, 2008. I did my first workout. And then um, off to the races, man. I, I got way into it. Went to all these certs and seminars. Did the barbell seminar back when Ripito had that. And Jim, I pretty much went to all of them. You know, some of them two, three times we hosted certs and just love gathering with the people and learning um, and implementing that into our programming and in my own training. I, 2011, I was a regionals athlete. Um, 2013, I competed on a team at regionals in SoCal. Um, and then I don't know, I kind of at that point, probably 2000, right when I started Ice Age, that was when things really sped up for me and I didn't really prioritize or that wasn't the big part of my life. Uh, it was more trying to launch a business and that just like, you know, at one point I was working like 20 hours a day for almost a month to get the kitchen going and kind of never caught up. But still have a solid foundation and love the methodology and can't wait to you know get back on the train and always believe that the best is yet to come yeah so you just dove in head first you're all in from the start yeah that's cool and it's cool like especially at that time like what you were seeing it's always cool to hear like the early stories because like that stuff was just to that point it was just unheard of like you know, watching people go do handstand push-ups and go pick up a barbell and do all this stuff. And you're like, I've never seen this stuff put together in this yeah. way, you know? Yeah. And I still, I mean, the elegance and the simplicity, like you, you can do a hundred burpees anywhere, you know, and people always think you need some crazy, you know, gym and all the equipment. You, you just, you don't. No. Yeah. It's funny too. And like people walk in and like, it's just so simple. You're like, what you know like you're used to seeing like machines if you're used to like a, whatever gym it's just funny when people walk in like this is it this is this is what we got right. like, yeah but it just comes back to simplicity always i think is the are the best workouts simple workouts i agree and what do you what's your role are you your coach at roots yeah yeah coach crossfit at roots and how often is that like multiple classes a day or yeah a day? most most of the day every day 
Wow. So, yeah. But Such a grind. <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah, it's fun, man. Like, it's a grind, yeah, but it's fun. The people always make it, you know? We always come back to that. Yep. For sure. But, um, yeah, so you competed and you went to SoCal Regional on a team back in yeah. the day? Yeah, I was in – when I started, I was in Denver or I was in, you know – the Colorado so that was the mountain regional I think they called it or southwest okay you know, transition changed throughout the years but um and then I got a gig out in SoCal at CrossFit South Bay they were opening up this big kind of hub style gym with like a Pilates studio and a yoga studio and a spin studio and the Jeez. CrossFit and I was on yeah CrossFit South Bay team back then yeah that's awesome did you ever have any like interest in like restaurants opening restaurants or no Ooh, i did early on but then i re i, I don't know i was always i was kind of scared i i had a, a chef when i was 2002 in alaska my one of my buddies died in a snowmobile accident here in minnesota and I wanted to go home for his funeral and he would not let me. He said, you got to just get used to this. You're going to be working nights, weekends and holidays. And like, this is the, this is the life spot. And I was just like blown away. I could not believe it. Um, but I didn't want that. And I didn't want to be the guy telling that to somebody, you know, mm. 10 years from that time. So that was really a transition for me. Um, it kind of steered me away from the vision of, having a restaurant I wanted to find some alternative um because I didn't want that and then I had worked at a restaurant that a guy owned but he was never there on nights weekends and holidays and I kind of saw from the back end how that uh, you know went um so it had to be more like a Thomas Keller thing where you're just like in the trenches in the kitchen every day and just grinding it out or something different then I, I chose something different so um i wouldn't necessarily say that i work any less than someone who owns a restaurant it's just like a 24 7 job but restaurants are tough man yeah they no are. it seems to be like a grind from what i hear yeah. um and then this whole like meal delivery thing like when did that become popular like to order pre-made Ooh. meals I mean, I would say around that similar time, 20, well, 2013, 2014, we really kind of launched it in 2014, just on a whim, you know, we had a, we were able to get a booth at the CrossFit games in 2014 down in Carson. Um, we had a bunch of food left over that we had just cooked on Sunday, but now the games are over Monday. So we portion that out into little trays and froze it and it was a pretty simple operation at first but I just put a little thing I made up on Instagram you know ice age meals on the spot um thought that up and that's just kind of stuck but the people could order our extra food from the games for delivery in the LA area just through DM and then once that was they ate through that there was you know people were asking about it and that's really 
where we got our start. But at that time, they had like uh, My Fit Foods was a big thing. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but then mm-hmm. they had one there in Hermosa Beach. And that was a company that was doing like, I don't know, close to $100 million a year in revenue. And they eventually folded, you know. So that's the other side of this like popularity thing. We just had another one in Reno. It's called Reno meal delivery or meal prep reno meal prep they just went out of business you know we've seen kettlebell kitchen went out of business not too long ago um it's tough connor but as far as the popularity i don't know i'd say in the last seven years it's become popular and then even with with the pandemic even more so uh and people are always like oh how's business gotta be good with the pandemic but with you know there's always headaches challenges in business first we were pretty much cut off for from dry ice like we had we used to ship our meals on dry ice keep them frozen and then dry ice is produced as a byproduct of gasoline they get really clean co2 when they when they refine fuel um, because I think the gas at one point had dropped by 75%, you know, when oh, people geez. weren't driving. Mm-hmm. So then there was no CO2 to make dry ice. So nonetheless, we were pretty much cut off from dry ice. And then we had to figure that out. Like, how are we going to ship these meals without dry ice? Um, so then we kind of got through that. We redesigned our packaging. We started shipping next day air without dry ice. And that was working. And then... Um, the cost just started to get astronomical as those rose through, you know, ship in with UPS. And then late last year, we had another challenge with supply chain, the little black trays that we put all of our food in could not get those like ran out completely. So we went about six weeks without, you know, with a staff that needs to work and produce meals, but no trays to put our food in. So that was a challenge. Yeah. It's like all the stuff you don't think about. You just exactly. think it's going to be there all the time. Yes. It's a headache. But, it, you know, it just, it always causes you to get better. You know, like, oh, yeah, we're finally going to, like, catch a tailwind now. And then the next thing comes. And, you know, facing challenges and overcoming them is a skill just like cooking. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a lot of times uh, people get stressed out. And for me, I'm just like, whoa chill like i've been through so much that's been so challenging i remember one time talking to katie henniger at i think it was 2017 maybe at the san antonio regional down in texas and and you just think oh yeah rogue like they got it easy like man they're just crushing it and i talked to her and she's telling me how like their four million dollar machine they just got like the the uh, irrigation or the sprinkler p- pipe above it had burst and was just like dumping thousands of gallons of water Jeez. into this machine you know it's like oh i thought she was going to come and tell me that she had it all dialed and life is easy now but the problems just kind of grow with uh time yeah <clears throat> and you seem to be the like the only one who does like the frozen meals what made you want to do that? Cause it just seems like most of them that you buy, they just come like refrigerated, but not frozen. Yeah. I mean, I'm a firm believer in frozen. Like, um, 
I I read a lot of books. There's a book by Jacques Pepin called The Apprentice. And in there he talks about, you know, one of his first experiences in the U.S. was he was the head chef for Howard Johnson Hotels. And that's kind of maybe a dwindling brand now, but back then it was a pretty big thing. Um, but what they did is he produced all this food and froze it, and then they distributed it to their hotels around the nation. He talked about how when they would have meetings with the CEO, they'd even just heat up frozen meals. And I was just like, wow, that's crazy. And then once you get further into it and you look at like the cost effectiveness of frozen versus fresh, an example would be we can produce meals exactly, you know, buy groceries and produce exactly the number of meals that we want with no waste. Like virtually we throw away very, very little food. We're in a lot of restaurants and like a fresh meal service. That's going to be challenging, especially if you're changing your menu often. And it's just like a whole nother level of complexity. But from a consumer standpoint, um, the lack of waste helps deliver a higher value to the customer because you don't have to factor waste into the cost of food, but also locks in freshness, you know, fresh frozen or um, flash frozen. I also worked as a cook at a fish processing plant in Naknek, Alaska, like three days after I graduated high school, I headed up there and I saw there, they do this flash frozen. They'd take the salmon, they would head them and gut them. They'd put them on these trays and then they'd freeze them to like 40 below within four hours. And then they, all that stuff would go to Japan. You know, so I kind of had all these little things. Again, no coincidences in life. It's all orchestrated to, you know, make you who you are today, Connor, right where you need to be talking to me. Yeah. Um, but it locks in freshness. It's ready when you are, right? So, like, think about a fresh meal. As soon as you cook it, it's constantly degrading until the time you eat it. It's not getting better in the freezer It's it's or in the fridge. It's degrading little by little by little. And then once you have it in there, you're kind of under a time pressure to eat it, right? If it, may, if it goes four days, like how many days was it prepared before you got it? And what was the transit time and all that? For our stuff, frozen, it's ready when you are. You know, you just hold it, you use it when you need it, pop it out, pop it in the mic, and you have a meal in, you know, six, seven minutes. Yeah, and like everything you're saying makes perfect sense. Why is it like, how come more people aren't doing it? I'm not sure on that one, but it's one of our value propositions. And like, I don't know any other company that's really doing. I know Mark Sisson, they're doing it now. You know, he has Primal Kitchen. Have you heard of that? Yep. Seen the sauces and the dressings and stuff, but he was bought out by Kraft Heinz. And um, they have, they're, you know, they're obviously distributing through grocery stores and have that whole chain set up, supply chain and those relationships, but they're doing it now. So it is a thing. And like, there's a frozen food section in every grocery store. And we just try to provide an online frozen food aisle for people who value their health. You know, if you go in there, it's, we don't really have like a plan that this is going to help you lose weight. Like any of that, mm -hmm. it's just, here's our meals, pick the ones you want. We'll put them in a box and we'll send them to you. Mm -hmm. Is it because like something that's sometimes frozen gets a bad rap? Like frozen food gets a bad rap? 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that the fresh companies promote. Hey, fresh, never frozen. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I, I feel like it's just such misguidance. Like, that's not an advantage in my book. Um, we don't freeze, like, a lot of greens. Or, like, we, we develop the recipes that freeze well. You know, you should always mix up a little salad with your food. Where, where you know whenever you eat i yep. always recommend that or fresh vegetables steam up some broccoli or you know char up some brussels sprouts or whatever it is um but we just try to deliver like a healthy portion of protein and then recommend that you substitute that with fresh veggies yep. and how'd you come up with the name ice age meals i just thought like you know something kind of tied to paleo mm -hmm. um and it had to do with frozen, right? Like the ice age, the caveman. Mm. And we were actually told not to try to get the trademark because the ice age movie. Oh, they yeah. can keep people. They have like a legal team who watches applications or, you know, wouldn't allow something like this to happen, but we got the trademark and love the name and yeah. other people like it too. It's, <clears throat> Yeah, it's awesome. It's a cool name. I like it a lot. But um, so kind of moving, moving ahead. You're telling me a little bit about this project you've been working on for five years. That you're getting ready to launch. Um, can you take me a little bit through that and that journey? Yeah. So we uh, a lot of vision has been you know involved in what I'm doing. Been battling for about five years since 2018 in the fall. We got uh an island in minnesota it's a three acre spot we had our eye on it for a couple of years um and we've just kind of been bringing this place back to life it's a really really cool place um we a, a guy i don't know all the details but like a family established it in 1930s we're coming up on like 100 years uh, had like a railway system on it when we got it where the guy we assume would use this railway to harvest rocks from the lake, put them on these little carts and then bring them around to where he was working. They had a bunch of like, um, you know, 25 foot pieces of railway. Uh, I had my buddy come out from Hawaii, Aaron Hoff with the Keala foundation. He's an, he works as an excavator landscaper out there so we got an excavator out here that winter in 2018 and 19 the ice was like 50 inches thick and we had some Jeez. guys helping us out and they brought it across so then he came in the spring of 19 and just just kind of cleared the place you know i didn't i didn't know i didn't have the vision really i just knew we needed to do something and he showed up and made it happen you know so just clearing brush yeah. and uh -huh. trees and <laughs> buried an old boathouse that was you know in shambles um but fast forward here we are i'm in this little this is the old generator shed like this is a little project we've been working on okay um but right where i sit there used to be like a you know 1960s onan generator and this room was just filled with you know grease and oil and smoke and crazy but we gutted that and kind of did the same thing with the whole place planted grass and have like a park like setting now and we're gonna host a fitness 
calling it the I am Island Adventure, Ice Age Meals. We have a, an influencer program with about 45 people right now. And we're going to host like 10 of them coming up next month. And it'll just be a gathering. We're calling it an off-grid experience in a connected world. So this is kind of you getting back to the education side of things. Yes. And more than just the food, like lifestyle education, you could call it. We're like, we ask these people to be connected, to use their phones and to be on social media. Um, and we want to kind of provide the, the yin to that yang where we're going to help them disconnect in nature for a little bit, still do fitness. We got Wes Pyatt coming from Gilroy, California to lead the fitness piece. Um, but we'll do other things, you know, a lot of healthy food. We'll all work together. It's not like we're having a big staff here. We only have so much room. So, you know, when it's time to cook lunch, we'll all stop and everybody will get their hands dirty and grill up some bison burgers and carry on. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so have, to have you out sometime, Connor, but the vision, you yeah. know, the further vision would be like for Posh and, you know, Big Fish Foundation that they could have a, you know, a group of eight, 10 guys here that the Keala Foundation, same thing. It would be like a rewards program for some of their um, programs that they have for their kids where like, uh, we're, we're talking about a thing called an island island experience where they come from Kauai and they come out here and um you know do some sort of leadership training i've been a part of that since 2019 18 trying to think of but you know went to hawaii and cooked for their leadership camp for their kids and tosh came and led the that was really how i kind of got to know tosh mm -hmm. uh, he led that whole camp. I was the cook and we're going to mimic some of that type of stuff. But I've also been involved in, you know, I cooked for the first four sessions at the power monkey camp. I worked as a chef at a remote lodge in Alaska, super high end stuff. But like, you know, this Island, the people in Minnesota, they, they think maybe a little bit differently, or it just comes down to what you've seen, what you've experienced, you know, this wasn't a huge thing for me because I had worked at a place where you had to fly everything in on an airplane. You know, you didn't, I watched a, a guy, Mike Overcast who, who bought and kind of renovated this lodge. They flew a 7,000 gallon fuel tank from, you know, mainland Alaska out to this lodge so they could store, you know, jet fuel in it so they could run a heli ski operation. Like, Whoa once you see that happen you kind of know like anything's possible yeah no for sure so, and um just big fish how'd you so you met tosh in hawaii right yeah i'd met him a couple of times we worked you know i used to run the culinary ninja course for the sme program within crossfit so i'd travel and teach people how to cook we'd set up little you know basically a, a culinary school for a day in a crossfit gym with folding tables and you know tabletop stoves uh but tosh had worked with some of the sme stuff at the games so i worked with him there one time we cranked out like 200 tacos and 20 minutes at the games in 18 he was in charge of that so i knew of him but then just kind of got to know him a little bit more um through that experience in hawaii and 
became friends and just, you know, working yeah. on our relationship, me and him. Yeah. Such an awesome dude. And um, he wants to come and help us hunt. We're going to hunt our first time here in Nevada. Nice. This fall, my son got a tag, but probably none of that would have happened without Tosh. He told us, you know, what to do and got us applying for tags and all that stuff. But just an all around awesome dude. Yeah. And so you were at the Big Fish fundraiser cooking. And first off, it was phenomenal. It was awesome. Oh, Everything was so good. But um, what was that like for you? Like, like coming out to an event like that and being able to support in that way. What's that like for you? Yeah, I feel like, again, a lot of the experiences that I've had, have, you know, kind of made me into the perfect person for that type of food service. You know, like we're, we're sleeping on a cot in a <laughs> tent or garage, you know kind of on the call 24 seven throughout that event and just cranking out food that people love. Um, but uh, no, I, that was great. You know, that was great for me. We had sent a, a couple other guys last year because I was neck deep in the Island experience, but this year they, it was earlier, right? Were you there last year? Yes. For parts of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I think it was about a month earlier this year. Instead of in June, mm. it was in May. So I was able to go, um, but loved it. You know, I'd been on the big fish board for since the start and, you know, took place in the meetings and heard all the stuff and looked at the budget and talked about the plans, but to really see it play out in person and like meet the people and like who's benefiting from this program. Oh, these guys are. You know, I talked to a guy, Kevin, who told me about his son who had been hit with an IED or, you know, in a vehicle that got kind of blown up and he's got, you know, physical injuries, but also post-traumatic stress stuff that he deals with. And, and then Kevin himself was a vet. So they were able to go through Big Fish on like this ram hunt down in Texas and just like guy like started, you know big gruff dude i i think you know him the older guy from kiowa um he works on heavy equipment down in colorado springs but he's like breaking down crying telling me about how awesome this experience was for him and his boy and um you know at that point i kind of saw a little bit more of what what the program was all about but also know the prevalence of you know veteran suicide right now and i'm a big fan of helping people you know not kill themselves in hawaii it's same thing with the kids like the under under the rug in Kauai is pretty dark and uh it's a similar situation with with the vets you know coming back from whatever they've experienced and just trying to help them see the light yes because so you're on the board with big fish so it's obviously you're very invested in the mission and what they're doing was that basically after you met Tosh or has that been like a lifelong kind of thing? Like you mentioned, like helping people coming back. From those yeah. Experiences? Think, um, my mom's a pretty incredible woman as far as like giving and having a heart. And like, we'd always do, she had us visiting like, well, it's a funny story. Like she was a beauty, she went to beauty school. That was what she did. Like cut hair and do beauty stuff. And, she one of her first jobs was at a high rise at like a nursing home where they had all these people so she would work on the bottom floor and then these people would 
she cut hair for people in a nursing home. Uh, but she befriended a lot of these people. And then we would start in our, you know, in her off time, we would start to go to visit them. So then she would take us to, and kind of became friends with like these elderly people in a nursing home when I'm like 10 years old, you know, it's kind mm -hmm. of a weird story, but taught me to have like a servant heart and she would always give and she just loved, you know, I don't know, helping people. And um, so that's probably where it's all rooted. And then um, you got to kind of stake your flag somewhere, they say, right? So for me, you know, instead of giving a little bit of money to a bunch of different organizations, like we have, we probably, I don't know that we'll have our own nonprofit, right, at Ice Age, but we have, you know, these people who we're, we've stepped behind, the Keala Foundation's our top one, um, Big Fish, helping them from the start. You know, I think Tosh just needed a variety of people on the board. I've actually stepped down now. I got too busy. I missed a couple of meetings. I was like, I, you know, I want to be fair to him and I don't like missing obligations, but you know, like we scheduled this call a week ago and stuff just happens. And like, yeah, sometimes things happen that you can't deal with. Uh, you know, they take, they demand your attention immediately. So nonetheless, um, I want to grow the relationship and I want to, you know, be there every year to help at least with that cooking piece and host big fish events out here on the Island. Off yeah. to the races. Yeah. yeah. No, it's cool. Cause you talk about habits and experiences. It just seems like you've done all these things and had all these things instilled in you at a young age. It's just like, it's just like seeing that come to fruition. Like everything you've done, all the jobs you've done just set you up perfectly for this moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of hard work. I think that always has to be the thing. You've got to work hard. Um, but Leo Tolstoy, I think he's the, he wrote war and peace. Do you know that one? Yep. Heard of it. I haven't read it, but I heard, know what you're talking about. Um, he has a, a, a quote that says the greatest warriors are patience and time. Hmm. And for me, like, I'm pretty impatient. I like things now and I want to get things done. And I don't like leaving jobs incomplete. Um, at the same time, I have ADD. So it's like this constant battle of figuring it out. But over time, you know, like this, when we got the island, I, want, I thought, yeah, in a year, we'll have this baby dialed in. Well, here we are, you know, five years later, and it's still not done. But if you constantly chip away at things day after day build on what you did yesterday you can accomplish great things you know the way to accomplish a lot is to uh consistently accomplish a little so mm -hmm. you know i feel like um i got a lot more in me and haven't peaked yet and like i said earlier the best is yet to come just keep grinding yeah for sure and that gets lost a lot like your patience right this is the biggest thing because everybody wants like you said everybody wants things now but yeah. just a little bit of day builds on each other compounds and yeah there like you are. from a, a finance i saw a stat yesterday it said if you invest a hundred dollars a month just in like an index fund like the s p 500 um from age 25 to 65 it's worth like 1.2 million oh wow 
right? Like yeah. it doesn't seem hundred bucks a month. Pretty much anybody could swing that. Yeah. But you know, constantly doing it over time, mm-hmm. all that up. Yeah. And so I always see you on the Instagram, it's like three forty five in the morning, sitting at your erg desk. Um, have you always been an early riser or when did that start? Um I goes back to again when I was young you know I we we didn't have a lot of money in my family I wouldn't say we're poor like living in Compton or Camden but um we would put you know I remember going to put two or three dollars worth of gas in our car just to get to where we were going you know rinsing out our shampoo bottles to get all the soap out of them you know just kind of maybe a little bit different experience than some people but um I say that to say that I need, I wanted to work. I liked to, I played hockey and I was a goalie. So like equipment was expensive and hockey in general, even if you're not a goalie is expensive. So I got a job delivering papers when I was like eight years old. And when you do that, that's in Fargo, North Dakota, it's cold. Um, winters are no joke, but you got to get up at like, whatever. You have to have the papers delivered by 6am. So that really you know when i think back on it i haven't always been an early riser like once i was in college and stuff i slept in and you know nothing ever crazy but um now i find that the only peace and quiet i get is in the early morning and i saw kind of a meme said the best advice i could ever give anyone is to get up early kind of stand behind that one yeah. I think it's a good one yeah but no for sure there's a uh, a pastor when I started the company you know these month long of you know 20 hour days I would listen I lived in Truckee California and I would drive to Reno it's like about a half hour drive but listen to this guy named Alistair Begg and he's a Scottish you know minister super smart guy and I have this thing I'll send you called, um, what's it called? This guy named Jerome K. Jerome. He wrote this book called Three Men in a Boat. And it taught, he one time shared this thing and I'll never forget it. And I've shared it several times. It just talks about simplifying your life. And like, as we sail down the river of life, you know, what are you going to take in your boat, right? What The island is also a good example of that. Like how many things do you, have in your life are you complicating it or simplifying it when you have to carry something across the water to have it and that represents work then you analyze the things that you want in your life Yvonne Chouinard founder of Patagonia said the simplest thing in the world to do is to complicate your life and the hardest thing to do is to simplify it mm. right so bring all that back this guy <clears throat> Alistair Begg he always talked about being a member of 3 a.m. club and I was like what you know is he serious 3 a.m. 3 and now I'm kind of at the point like today I got up at 3 15 I knew I had this thing I didn't sleep that well the winds were high in the night um but whatever as soon as you wake up like getting up's the hardest part but then you know if it's 3 15 that means it's 1 15 in Reno and my crew does my crew starts at 5 30 the first guy comes in production manager so i have basically four hours and 15 minutes until i'm going to check in with anybody 
that makes sense yeah yeah and then from there <laughs> things get spicy you know so i never know what's going to happen within a day but i do know that nothing's going to happen at you know three in the morning mm-hmm. so sure i love getting up early i have i just finished you know 240 pages writing in my journal today's my first day in my fresh journal and I just wrote in here, you know, a fresh journal seems like a good place to begin a new chapter. It is almost a new chapter by definition. You know, and if you write in your journal every day, then each of these books will kind of become a chapter of your life. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Jim Rohn. And he talks about how, you know, he's a small town farm boy from Idaho, raised in obscurity and, you know, found success. He always has this line that he uses. But part of the inheritance that he's going to leave his kids and his grandkids is a collection of all of his journals. Like that's the most valuable thing to him. Yeah. Money and all that. The Bible says uh, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Mm. And I think that doesn't always have to be money or houses or property. Um, It can be cool things like, chapters of your life yeah and going off of that what when you talk about success what does success look like for you oh man there's a lot of definitions right yeah what about you connor what do you think it is well i i tend to agree with you more just it's not necessarily a money thing but it's i guess legacy is a word that gets thrown around but it's just kind of how you give back what you give to others and kind of what you leave not leave behind because you got to you gotta live it while you're doing it, but just like, you know, helping others and yeah, living a life that means something and, you know, maybe help some out, someone out along the way. Love it. Yeah, and that's, I think that's um, pretty accurate. Not what you leave for, you know, like your kids, not what you leave for them, but what you leave in them. Who mm, are they? Yeah. Or like, who are you? And, and, uh, my wife and I love to watch like Game of Thrones is one of the series, kind of a, you know, crazy thing of dragons and all this. I never thought I'd like it. But nonetheless, in that show, at one point, this guy, this super wise man or shaman or whatever he is, they come to him and they ask, you know, who are you? And he says, he says, I've been many things in my life, but who I am right now is who you see before you. Hmm. You know, it's kind of cool, like this collection of, um, all the different experiences in your life. But to answer your question on success, I kind of have two, um, two different things I'm on right now. One is a recent one that says that, um, success in life is to enjoy the passage of time. And for me, challenges and struggles come every day and there's peaks and valleys but like can you be as happy in the struggle as you are on the mountaintop Mm. that's what i'm working on other one from more of a accomplishment or i don't know maybe how the world might see it is is from earl nightingale and he defines success as the um the can the continual realization of a worthy ideal kind of weird wording but what it means is to constantly work on something to bring it to real life and the the thing that you're working on is worthy right and so for me it's other than you know building kind of instilling in my kids 
some powerful stuff to make them awesome people like ice age meals is an example seven years in constantly whether you have a good day or a bad day you get up and you try to build on what you did the day before and you just do mm. that over and over and over and eventually um something great happens yeah. mm -hmm. and that's and, and that's success yeah and that's cool for you to say just because it's like yeah we talked about it earlier like everybody wants to get to the top of the mountaintop but it's like once you get there if you weren't enjoying getting there it's like the journey was kind of just lost you know if you're only focused on the end result you're gonna miss out on a lot of stuff and for me being younger and being around a lot of like high level people and getting to talk to them like you it's yeah. it's hard sometimes to keep that sight on you know because it's like you just see these people who are high level people but it's like hey like step back and enjoy this time of yeah. getting there i mean you might never get there but enjoy the process of doing it yeah or just like right now this very you know the one I, I love just the screenshot quotes right that's what i do and i can tell the one from last night ernest hemingway check this out listen now when people talk listen completely don't be thinking what you're going to say most people never listen nor do they observe that's so true wow like wow while connor's talking am i just thinking about the next cool thing i'm going to say so that maybe someone who listens thinks i'm cool or am i actually going to listen to what connor says like have a real conversation dude it's crazy people yeah what happens now is you're talking to him and you can kind of see him over here like doing and you're just like yeah <laughs> and that's yeah. part of the mission out here like I, I i've been a big fan of disconnecting like in 2015 i went on a vacation to cabo and even by that time i i unplugged for 10 days nothing no email no phone no text no social none of that 10 days i just read books and like hung out with my family it's awesome. And I got back and like the website was offline and there was some crazy stuff that had happened, but whatever, we fixed yeah. it when we got back. Um, then the book Irresistible, it's another book about addiction to social, like what's happening with cell phones and all that stuff. Um, so enjoying the present, like being in the present, wherever you go, there you are. And wherever you are, you know, be fully there, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people worry about the future, right? Like there's another quote that I just love that came up that said, um, those worry more than necessary who worry before it is necessary. How about that one? It's a good one. So like, I always try to, I always try to, envision the future with the brightest light possible and the most positive things and the greatest things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't happen, then I'll, I'll reset my mind at that point and keep thinking the same way. Yeah. Um, with Tosh, I shared with them one time, I call it Massey's law. Like do you have Newton's law or, or what's it called? Um, if, if something, can go wrong not newton but murphy's law mm. if something can go wrong it will right and i like to call massey's law is if anything can go right it will 
you know, mm-hmm. take that approach. And so many people in life have this, you know, Murphy's law attitude. I'm not a fan of that. And like, I know mm-hmm. things are going to go wrong. I know that Satan's not a hundred percent true, but why would you approach your life with a negative outlook? Yeah. And yeah, you're totally right about that. Like you can always tell someone when you're talking to them, you're saying something and you can already see the wheels in their head turning about what they're going to say. And then you yeah. finish what you're saying and they don't, like, it's like they didn't even hear you. But it's like, for me, it's like, that's part of like doing this podcast. It's like, just take some time, kind of shut up and listen and you'll learn something from it. You know, it's like Jordan Peterson has a thing where it's like, you know, always assume that the person you're talking to knows something you don't know. Mm. So it's like, you're better off just, just shut up and listen, man. You're going to learn something and your perspective is going to change. And yeah. I, I believe it. That's so true. Like you can't possibly know everything somebody else knows right they know and that's what i i would say at my culinary ninja course like you guys i'm here to teach you the stuff i know but i'm also here to learn right like you all know something i don't know and if you come from a high place where you know it you know what does the bible say like i always read proverbs every morning there's one proverbs 9 9 it says this instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still Mm. teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning Mm. you know and it's just tough when you kind of have like nobody likes a know-it-all don't you know and it's hard to learn when you know everything already so um yeah couldn't agree more listen to listen and be present i think that's what we're yeah it's like because uh like some of the highest like level people I know and just best people in general, like they're amazing at what they do, but they don't walk around like it. Like they're asking me a question about what we should do. And I'm like, you're asking me, you know, like it's just, but those are the people who you want to be around. Those are the people I think who have found the most just success and just at their craft and what they do. Yeah. People who genuinely listen. Yeah. Like Nicole Carroll to me, Nicole Carroll, dude, she's incredible in conversation. Like, Mm-hmm. you can tell she cares and you can tell she's listening tosh is a similar guy right yep. very authentic and mm-hmm. not just trying to drum up the next thing they're gonna say to try to impress you like yeah just down to earth and yeah man well how old are you connor 25 yeah crazy <laughs> crazy, crazy. <laughs> good job dude 25 like you know, I like Gary Vaynerchuk. I listen to a lot of what he says, and I wish I would have heard him when I was 18. But, mm-hmm. like, you basically have, you know, 10 more years, Connor, where you can just mess things up and, like, try all kinds of things and figure out who you are. That's it? That's when I started. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Even better, you know? Yeah. Even better. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, like, I think the guy from Kentucky Fried Chicken, Colonel Sanders, he started when he was, like, 70 years old or something. Yeah, I just learned that the other day. I saw someone post that. Like, yeah. I did. I had no idea. But, um, dude, you quoted the most things and name-dropped the most people out of anyone I've ever talked to. <laughs> no. It's not yeah, a bad I think thing. Reading, you know, the quotes about reading are, like, not all leaders are... Um, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Mm, heard that one too. Yeah. That one's just like, wow. Yeah. But yeah, reading, reading is like a lost art and for sure. Thinking, I don't know. Books, <laughs> good things. And 
yeah 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 for sure but uh nick man i appreciate the time thanks for doing this especially so early well it's earlier here but you've been up for four hours anyway <laughs> yeah no problem it was great i always love talking and learning um anytime i can ever help you know let me know and love to do it again sometime yeah no for sure and um yeah maybe one day i'll come out with tosh to the to the island yep let's make awesome. it happen but uh yeah nick thanks a lot have a great day and i'll talk to you later man all right buddy happy wednesday all right happy wednesday nick thank you